About nine years ago, when I was a novice in Washington, D.C., my community, we went to a military funeral in Arlington National Cemetery. And there's something there that happened that I'll never forget. It was such a beautiful sight there in the midst of all those uh, ordered graves, those markers with the white crosses. And spring was just blossoming with all the, the cherry trees in the background. And after the 21-gun salute, taps started playing. You know, always kind of a, a chilling moment there. But what made me have even more uh, chills, you know, kind of getting that goosebumps, was in the middle of the bugler playing taps, the wind started to blow in such a, a special way, just kind of really coming down right through where the funeral was taking place. And it brought all these cherry blossoms just blowing right through, uh, you know, something I've never seen before, the way all these cherry blossoms just kind of went right through the midst of this little funeral, right in the middle of playing uh, taps. And on the way back to the parking lot, you know, I was talking to the daughter of this elderly gentleman who had, uh, we were burying, and you know, she said she was crying during that time because she felt the Lord was uh, with her family, that the Holy Spirit was giving them a little message. And Holy Spirit is just like that wind. Jesus says, we don't know where the wind comes from or where it goes, but all those who are born of the Spirit, we enter into this kind of mystery of the wind. And the same, the word Jesus used here for wind that we just read in the passage from today's gospel can also mean spirit. It means both, wind and spirit. So the Holy Spirit is like that wind, certain mystery. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, and no one has seen the Father and the Son, or is able to see them. And the Holy Spirit guides us to the Father and the Son. And Jesus says we must be born anew, born from above, in order to receive the Holy Spirit, to be washed with that water and blood that came forth from his side and then Jesus says, no one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as the Son of Man was lifted up, so too do we follow Christ in being lifted up. But how was Christ lifted up? Christ was lifted up in, in three ways. First, he was lifted up on the cross, which we had just remembered on Good Friday recently. And then he was lifted up from his grave, from the tomb. And we too, if we are baptized in Christ and descend into the waters of baptism, we too will be lifted up out of those waters 
a new person, an adopted son and daughter of the Father. And then Jesus is lifted up a third way, and we haven't celebrated that liturgically yet. At the end of this Easter season, though, we will. Jesus ascends 40 days after his resurrection into heaven. And we too, if we are born anew and are obedient to those inspirations of the Holy Spirit, will be lifted up in that way. But that's the key. We have to be obedient to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. Cardinal Mercier from a hundred or so years ago said, the key to sanctity is obedience to inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we don't really know how the Holy Spirit really works in our life, but that's why we go through that process of dying to self, dying to our desires, dying to our inclinations so that we can start living out the inclinations of the Holy Spirit. That's why we spent all this time of Lent uh, practicing mortification and penance so that we can be, you know, putting aside the old man to make room for the new, you know, just like John the Baptist said, I must decrease so Christ may increase. And the more we decrease, you know, our, our kind of inner voice that wants all these disordered desires and, uh, you know, sensual appetites leading us astray, we have to make, we have to kind of crucify those to make room for the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. There's two ways the Holy Spirit speaks. One way is to non-believers and to sinners, and that'll be through Scripture, the Word of God, and through those who preach, the ordained of Christ who preach. God can speak to anybody. The Holy Spirit can speak through any, to anybody through scripture and preaching. But then there's a second way the Holy Spirit speaks, and it's only to those believers, to those who are living in the state of grace. They can receive those inspirations of the Lord, it's that kind of inner voice. Sometimes it's mysterious, and we kind of, maybe we might even wonder, Lord, is this really you speaking? But if you find those quiet moments, just like you might out in nature, you have to have a quiet moment in order to really hear the wind. And so in silence, in prayer, maybe in adoration, then you make that time in which you can hear that still whisper of the Holy Spirit. And that is key then to following the way of Christ for he is the way, the truth, and the life, and we want to follow him, not only into his descent on the cross, his ascension into, on the cross, but also his ascension into the glory of heaven. The church 
bears witness to you know, obeying the Holy Spirit in many different ways. It always depends on your vocation. Whether single, married, or in the consecrated life, we all have that duty to be obedient to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit so that we may follow God's will. And the early church shows how there's that radical witness to God's plan for us, to Christ's resurrection. We heard in the first reading, the Acts of the Apostles, the community of believers was of one heart and mind. So no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles bore witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Those first Christians were of one heart and mind because they were not scattered according to their own wills. They were united in that one will of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And something interesting that they were doing is living with all their possessions in common so that there was no needy person among them. Uh, those who even owned properties or houses would sell them and put them at the feet of the apostles and who distributed everything according to one's need. Now this was voluntary, so that's why you know, the church, not everybody who's Catholic needs to, to do this, but there are those groups in the Catholic Church who do do this, those in religious life, monks, nuns, uh, priests who have made those evangelical vows. There was a, uh, a Vietnamese professor who I think was atheist, he was at least not Christian, who had visited us Marians in DC once, and he was kind of uh, taken back by you know, the, the community life he was seeing. Uh, and so we were kind of explaining to him, you know, what kind of community we were, you know, and he was kind of wondering, is this how everybody in the Catholic Church lives? Uh, so we were explaining, no, but uh, how we lived everything in common. And so, you know, his face kind of lit up, lit up uh, and he's like, oh, so this is like communism. Uh, and, you know, being from Vietnam, I think he, he uh, was actually one of those who uh, was for communism. And you know, we explained, no, no, it's, it's similar in a certain sense, but it is voluntary in, in a local level and with God in mind that all these things belong to God. And that's the important thing is, you know, all our possessions are God's. We are just stewards of his creations. And you know, St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, talks about how there is that need for both, you know, especially for us fallen creatures, even with the graces we receive from the sacraments. You know, there's still, the Catholic Church teaches the, the need for private property. Uh, you know, there's that need to be good stewards because, uh, you know, even religious life, we might struggle with this, that, you know, when we're sharing things, we're not as inclined to take care of it properly. Uh, you know, if you worked hard and bought your own car, you're going to take care of that car. 
uh, more likely than all right, you're sharing a car with 10 or 15 other people. Uh, you know, we have to be reminded when we enter religious life, hey, you know, take care of these good things as stewards. Uh, and then also just private property helps create good order. You know, it, everybody knows, you know, there's a piece of farmland that needs to be farmed. Uh, it makes more sense to have one person in charge of getting food from that land versus everybody just making their own plans. Oh, I'm growing uh, corn here. I'm like, well, I'm too late. I already planted the soybeans. Uh, you know, there's just creates order when you have that private property. And then also just creates peace. Uh, you know, having uh, just kind of that order uh, of everything designated. And even in religious life, we have that uh, where, you know, there's different uh, things designated for different people to take care of, even though it's all held in common. Uh, all right, you, you clean the kitchen and I'll clean uh, the library. You know, if there's, you just kind of have to have that order. But whether in religious life and making that vow of poverty or, uh, you know, living in the secular world, we always have to be reminded that these things are not our own. These things are of God and we must not be attached to them. And that's how we bear witness to Christ's resurrection that these material possessions are not the end-all be-all, that there is something more after this life, something even more satisfying, more important, something more fulfilling. And so whatever our vocation is, we can bear witness to Christ's resurrection as long as we live out spiritual poverty, not being attached. And that again helps us to be of one heart and mind, not only with each other, because we're not going to be fighting for material possessions amongst ourselves, but rather as sons and daughters of God, sharing with those in need, sharing as good stewards of the Lord's creation. But then it also helps us to, to die to self. Again, going back to if we die to self and in our inclinations, then that is how we are lifted up on the cross. And if we are lifted up on the cross, crucify our will, then that is how we are lifted up from the grave, the resurrection of the dead, which will come at the end of time. And like Jesus, ascend into heaven. The Holy Spirit He has much to say, but will we make that silent time for him that we may hear his mysterious whisperings? Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? 
I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.